in my company, I constantly get the message, can we do a PR? Can we, can oh, we do I a love PR this one. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's people who are not marketers. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for, well, you decide. As you're probably asking yourself, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding owner of Rockstar CMO, your monthly dose of marketing street knowledge. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or at Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn. And you'll find all the past episodes and show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast. This episode is recorded on Friday the 8th of October. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you are well and staying safe and as sane as you feel you need to be as 2020 continues to redefine the word crazy. This week, I'm going to share some of the good stuff from our publication. I chat to Rachel Eisenhower, Vice President of Marketing at Sunday Sky. And again, this week, I retire to the virtual Rockstar CMO bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? I've wandered away from the virtual page of Rockstar CMO in recent episodes, but this week I've been putting together our monthly chart of the top 10 articles of the last 90 days, and I'd love for you to take a look, especially if you're new to our little publication. I've just realised after I scripted this that I'm not following the normal chart show format in that I'm starting at the top. And this month, top of the charts is a previous guest on this podcast, Jane Scandura, whose FOMO versus FOGO article that talks about how as marketers we need to balance our consumers' fear of missing out and fear of going out continues to dominate the charts. And for the first time, we have the same author in the top two slots as her advice for us to turn our personal brand up to 11 while we're in lockdown takes second spot. Both well worth a read as they capture the mood and serve up some great advice as this pandemic rolls on. Ever present in our chart since we started this feature is our resident straight-talking rockstar CMO, Ted Rubin, who takes three slots in this month's chart and is in at number three with Beware the Risks of Arrogance and Pride in Business, which serves up some typically frank advice from our very first issue. Our backstage articles are always popular where we go backstage with the CMO and ask them some serious and some not-so-serious questions about marketing, and the last two are no exception. In the latest issue, we chatted to Eric Jan van Putin, VP Marketing at Dynamic Web, and that makes the top four. And before that, Sally Yates, Acceptor, who comes in at number seven. Between them, in at number six is the Magic Marketer's Potion, an educated mind and attitudinal skills by Jasmine Martirosian, which explores the need for marketers to get an education and the qualities of a great marketer. Rounding out the top 10 with two articles is the wonderful Kate Bradley Chernis, who I've interviewed for this show, and her entertaining backstage interview and her advice from the last issue to walk the talk, her take on the blurring lines between our work and professional lives. 10 fabulous articles that you can find at rockstarcmo.com. Click on the top 10 link on our homepage. And of course, I will include a link to this in the show notes. 
Right, I think that's quite enough of me. Let's move on to the interview. Rachel Eisenhower, Vice President of Marketing at Sunday Sky, oversees all marketing functions, leading a team of digital product and solution marketers focused on building the brand and creating demand for the company. Rachel is one of the original go-to-market team members in the US, joining the company as the first marketing manager in 2012. Prior to Sunday Sky, Rachel built the digital marketing function at Agency EA, an experiential marketing and events firm based in Chicago. Rachel received a BS in business administration with a minor in dance from Skidmore College. She was a founding member of the Joffrey's Ballet's Young Professionals Board and is currently on the Joyce Ballet Theatre's Young Leaders Circle. As I've said, this podcast gives me a great excuse to talk to interesting people, and this is no exception. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome, Rachel, to Rockstar CMO FM. Thank you very much for your time. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And for people that don't know you, Rachel, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So I am the VP of Marketing at Sunday Sky. Um, We are a video platform that powers CX engagement. Um, And I, in my role, I focus on building the brand and and creating demand for the company. Splendid. Splendid. And and what inspired you to get into into marketing? I've had a look at your career, obviously, in LinkedIn. We all can do that now. Mm -hmm. And you've been there a while and you've also been in marketing a while. What inspired you to choose that? Yeah, so I've always been interested in the influence of messaging, right? Mm -hmm. So how does messaging, whether it's the written word or or visual, um, or in the case of video, the the blend of both, um, how it influences the way we make decisions um, and the power of that, of that influence and and of the message. And not just in business, but across society, our our culture politically, especially as we're seeing recently. Um, Mm -hmm. So that power of influence of messaging. um, Plus I've, I've always been um, immersing myself in the new, right? Whether it's new art, new technologies, um, so, so the blend of the two is, is really um, influenced and inspired to where I am today. Yeah. And is that your background? Is that what you studied? Have you always been a marketer or did you, did you pivot? A lot of people I talk to have pivoted at some point. Yeah, actually it is. Um, it's a blend. Sort of the blend of my background is just that um, mm-hmm. I got my, my degree in business marketing, but mm-hmm. I also got my minor in um, performance dance. I grew up as a ballet dancer. Ah, yes. So it's, it's it, I, you know, personally, I my interests and hobbies, I, I like to call myself a culture vulture because I'm mm-hmm. always like seeking out the new um, cultural elements, whether, you know, what, no matter what it is, um, mm-hmm. which is great. I live in New, I live in New York city. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that is, yeah, yeah you're in the right place there in New York. I should have mentioned actually, that's, that's where you're, you're based <clears throat> yeah. I'm here, here in the UK and, and you're the VP of marketing yeah. for Sunday sky. So what, what is it that's, you mentioned, uh, video and CX. What exactly mm-hmm. do you mean? What, what does Sunday sky do? Yeah. So, um, as I said, we're, we're a video platform that really powers the customer experience, especially the digital customer experience. Mm-hmm. So another way to think about us is a digital experience platform, but our core experience is the digital video. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, what this means is we really have rethinked how to use video and sort of pivoted us on, on its head. And, you know, most, um, marketers, are familiar with video as a top of funnel brand medium, 
um, one for all sort of static generic asset. And we've flipped that. So we've, we've made it data driven, um, rendered in real time, performance driven. And as I mentioned earlier, that the notion of video to influence messaging and actions, um, that's really the performance part of what we do. So how can video drive the next best action, um, for, for a customer? And when we think about video in the customer experience landscape, um, video is ultimately the most engaging digital medium there is, right? Sure. It's captivating, it's compelling, it's immersive. It's that blend of you, you see it uh, and you're hearing it said to you, right? See and say, the vocal and visual. So that blend and the power of sight, sound, emotion really allows any person, any customer to be influenced by that messaging, whether they are a visual or an auditory learner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we work with, with brands to deliver video-powered experiences at critical moments along the customer's journey to really educate customers, engage them, and inspire them to take that next best action, um, whatever moment they are in, in their journey. That's fascinating. And, and that's <laughs> what I was really interested in. That's why I want to talk to you on the show, because... Um, you know, we've been immersed in video right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only way we can talk to each other. Um, but you talked there about, um, you talked about dynamic personalized video. So mm-hmm. you're, you're doing, I mean, I've been in the, I guess now it's called the customer experience or digital experience industry. We used to call it web content management back in the day, industry yeah. for a long time. And um, <laughs> and personalization was always like the core topic, but it was always hard to get um that was always became a sort of phase two and stuff. Are you seeing a lot of engagement with your clients around that um, dynamic personalization aspect of it? Absolutely. Um, and I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's been a topic of conversation that everyone wants to do all marketers mm-hmm. want to do, right. It's like the Nirvana, but mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely challenging to, to make it work right. To, to, to action on it. Um, yeah. So in terms of video, well, let me back up a bit. You know, marketers have all this data on their customers, right? Whether it's yeah. the profile, behavioral, um, situational, like where they are in that moment, like contextually. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite difficult to activate that data, right? And even more difficult to activate it in video format. Um, but what what you had mentioned, like the the web content management, that's really what our what our founders wanted to do. Um, back in 2006, when the company was founded, they wanted to apply, how can you create a dynamic HTML web page? How can you Mm -hmm. apply that notion to video? Um, And and that's where we are today. That's fascinating. Absolutely Mm -hmm. fascinating. And um, quite quite a lot of the time, um, the challenge uh, with a personalization strategy on a website is about the content. So we understand a huge Mm -hmm. amount about our customers, but we don't um, we don't actually have the content to match what we know about them. If you see what mm-hmm. I mean, it's because it's quite hard for people to create those different content variants based on the audience. How do you help with that? Mm-hmm. So um, we, part of our platform, it has um, this notion of a strategy map. So when you're balancing out and figuring out your uh, video mm-hmm. strategy to improve your customer experience, when you just as you mentioned, we're talking about our audience group. We're talking about the goals. We're identifying the data that we have on them. The missing component um, that 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 you're referencing that we see in the marketplace mm-hmm. is the message, right? What is yeah. that message? That topic? That story that you want to 
take that data and transform it into that information, that message to deliver to these audiences. Um, and for us, because, because video is, 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 um, the sweet spot, we think, we think of messages as in, in the message content is synonymous with a video scene. Um, and that's really, again, how we've sort of transformed the approach to video. We think about it in, um, a modular approach. So we've really broken video down to like these modular building blocks that can be repurposed and reused for different audiences, wherever they might be, whatever channel they're, they're interacting with, with the brand. Um, so that you've got this library of content or the scene library, if you will, with when it, in, when it comes to video, mm-hmm. um, you've got this library of video content where you can serve the right message at that right time. Um, and p- part of building that strategy is exactly what, what you referenced, matching that right content message um, yeah. to, the, to the audience and their goals. Yeah, no, it, it's fascinating. And, um, uh, and also, it's got such a great name. Where, where did the name come from? Do you know Sunday Sky? <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's funny. Uh, we are we were founded in Israel, and you know, there's a lot of tech innovation that comes out of Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Um, but our founders were very um, purposeful, and and they did not want to name the company um, a, a name that would have been mispronounced in the U.S. market, right? Ah, okay. So they purposely uh, combined two English words, straightforward mm-hmm. English words that would not be mispronounced and brought together. However. When I joined the company, of course, as a marketer and uh, <laughs> wanting to, you know, really drive the influence of messaging and words, I, yeah. I knew I needed to, put, to change the positioning of that. Yeah. Um, so I like to think of of the company named Sunday Sky as just this new this new day, right? Mm. Like a Sunday, this new day, this new era, this new generation of experiences. Um, that really there's endless possibilities in terms of what you can do, especially with video for us. Ultimately, the sky is the limit. Mm, yeah, it's a, it's a great name. And I, I like the way that you had to re-engineer the story as a, as a marketer. True marketer. <laughs> <laughs> so as I sort of intimated just a moment ago, during the pandemic, um, you know, as marketers, we need to rethink how we engage with our audience. Um, we've also in how we engage with each other, really. And we've all been exposed to an awful lot of video. Mm-hmm. Um, what changes have you seen in terms of, you know, what your clients are saying to you and, and what demands they've had of you over the last six months since we since the pandemic started? Yep. Um, well, in terms of our existing customer base, uh, all of our customers have recognized the need to quickly respond to the pandemic and mm-hmm. pivot their messaging and their messaging strategies um, in a couple of different ways. Um, the, the first and foremost one being just adding more empathy to their messages, right? Mm-hmm. Having this empathetic narrative um, or else they risk sounding tone deaf to their customers. Yeah. So, um, you know, across the board, they quickly modified just the opening tone of their, of their video experiences to reference. Like, I know these are uncertain times and there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of change, but within specific industries, they've also really pivoted the content of the video as well. So for instance, um, we work in that we work with telecommunications and, and cable providers and um, some of our customers like Comcast and Dish, they had to change their welcome and onboarding video messages to talk about self-installation, right? Rather than right. A, um, a tech installer coming into your home how can you pivot to self-install your new cable services? 
um, in terms right. of you know social distancing. Right. Um, for for healthcare providers like Kaiser Permanente, same thing. How how can they switch the messaging to reference um, the uncertainty and with your healthcare and and how you can how your insurance covers um, any COVID testing. So right. and and as I said, that's sort of the beauty of um, modular video, right? Modular content. It rather yeah. than especially in comes to video, which is known as you know, highly resource intensive, long lead times, you know, high production costs. Um, you know, it's just a matter of hours to quickly update messaging, um, have a voiceover recorded and, and then it's live and inserted into the existing strategy. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting us to go back to, you know, the power of the product in a way through that through that particular question. But um, yeah, if you start to modulize up your um, video content, mm-hmm. and you can remix it as soon as something does change, you're not you're not redoing the whole of the video in this expensive right. production. That's that's very interesting. Very interesting mm-hmm. indeed. Um, mm-hmm. And you 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 mentioned there. Um, I mean, this comes up a lot in the conversations I'm having. Obviously, I mean, we've been running since I think just before the pandemic. So almost every question I've asked on this podcast, I think this mm-hmm. is number thirty-one. We um, it's uh, you know we've we've been asking about this, but I'm, I've noticed actually that empathy comes up as a as a as a word when marketers talk about how they need to change the, the way they work now mm-hmm. um, and I also noticed that uh, I think as, as we were discussing as we were preparing for this interview that that was something that you really feel strongly about the video plays a role in, in expressing empathy almost more than mm-hmm. you know better than any other kind of media mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um, again it's it's if you, if you just think about in our human interactions right with with each other mm-hmm it's so it's so different when you text someone versus when you are FaceTiming with them now, right? Like you yeah. see their visual expression on their face, you hear the tone of what they're saying yeah. um, versus quick text, which can be misconstrued with the, yeah. with the sentiment behind it. Um, and with autocorrect. So, exactly, right. Um, so that's, I think that's, you know, as much as we can recreate those human to human connections yeah. um, between a brand and a customer, um, that's that's where the power lies. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so if, if somebody out there listening to this is considering a, a video strategy mm-hmm. and aside, obviously, from working with you guys at Sunday Sky, I have to say that, I guess, <laughs> is mm-hmm. um, what 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 what? As a marketer, what steps mm-hmm. do you think people should take? What, what what should they do if they're looking to create a video content strategy? Because I know that a lot of people are worried mm-hmm. about, you know, the production costs and all that kind of stuff. But, mm-hmm. but like, what are you what are you seeing your customers doing in terms of creating a video strategy? Yeah, I think um, you know, aside from us, we're <laughs> you know we're really taking making video modular. I think there are other ways you can. Um, plan for your video production to mm. to make it be modular, so to speak. Or, so right. in in terms of allowing it to be reusable, mm-hmm. so you can scale it across different channels. Um, yeah. Even so, simple instance, we you know we hosted our um, summit virtually this year, of course, over over the summer, mm-hmm. and um, all of the sessions were recorded. But we thought about it in a way where how can we record these? almost chapter topical so that we could then for folks who, who didn't uh, attend the virtual summit, we could then use pieces 
in social channels, in blog posts, recapping. And just instead of watching a full 20-minute session, 30-minute session, you can watch two minutes on this specific topic. Um, right. So I think that's I think that's really critical, yeah. again, to really allow – to get more return um, in terms of your, your video content and video production. Think about yeah. how it can be reused and scaled across – across different touch points and channels yeah your standard content marketing lesson right if you're going to invest in mm -hmm. in a more expensive content um asset then you need to think about how you can reuse it yeah very mm -hmm. interesting and uh, mm -hmm. so that would be your key tip then for people looking at a video strategy is how can you sweat that asset as much as you can then across the different yeah. channels I, yeah and i think what that's also coupled with um the ability to make it reusable and, and to scale it that also kind of ties to how it can be more performance and results oriented. Yeah. Um, right. I think it's goes all the way back to, um, like TV advertising, right. It's yeah. now I think, uh, advertisers have gotten better with, with tracking the performance behind TV ads, but, um, they didn't used to. Right. And so if you're thinking about video production and, purposefully thinking about how it can be reused and scaled um, in different ways. Also think about like the purpose of that and, and the results and the performance right. of it too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. And I've often talked about mm -hmm. um, content marketers or us as marketers now, you know, mm -hmm. all businesses are now, we're all, we're all publishers now. Right. So and we need right. to think with that discipline, but if we go into video and take that further, then we're now, media houses aren't we and we need to we mm -hmm. need to then take that up that game as publishers and think about think about ourselves as a media house and how to best use these assets yeah absolutely yeah yeah okay well i've got um we're sort of running out of time i've got i've got one final question for you that i ask everybody that i talk to um on rockstar cmo if you're not familiar with it we have a regular feature called the rockstar cmo swimming pool where we throw all the bullshit snake oil and the worst of this industry that we love. And I know that we do love being marketers, <laughs> but sometimes things can, can piss us off a little. What would you throw into the Rockstar Swimming Pool? Um, and this actually just happened this week with someone <laughs> on my, uh, in my company. I constantly get the message, can we do a PR? Can we, can oh, we do I a love PR this one. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's people who are not marketers think PR is synonymous with promoting promotion yeah. or synonymous with marketing in general. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's always, it makes me laugh and I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta go, go a little deeper here and see what, what's going on. What, what, what do you really want? What do you really need to, to accomplish right. here? Right. Um, it's, it's lovely when it's a new product <laughs> feature or something that somebody's really excited about and you're, you're looking at their baby and <laughs> or even an old one. Like, even an old one. Right? Old customer old customer partnerships. I'm like, uh, what, what is the news here? <laughs> but, yeah. I won't I won't I won't I won't let you share any more of that. There's obviously <laughs> some pain, some internal pain there. But that mm -hmm. is a perfect one. I love that. Let's get yeah. some PR on that. It will yeah. definitely go in the Rockstar CMO swimming pool. This has been lovely. Thank you very much, Rachel. And uh, I'm really interested in the topic of video. Um, so when people spin the dial on the interwebs and they're looking for, for Rachel, where can they find mm -hmm. her? Um, you know, I'm, I'm more most active on LinkedIn these days. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if it's a combination of, you know, not having that 
interaction with colleagues and um, mm. in the industry live, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and not doing a lot of events. Um, so I would say LinkedIn. I really haven't, I haven't been active on Facebook in the last year, really. I, I just, oh, yeah. it's too much clutter for me. And, and yeah. I, I will say that's to me an example of the influence of messaging gone wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's a topic for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to discuss that. I mean, I've also spoken to a number of people that have have recently been quite turned off by Twitter. I, I myself, I, I do, but I, I kind of dip in and out and it, it's getting a little bit tiresome. And then maybe after the election, if I dare say that, um, yeah. <laughs> things might calm down a little bit. Um, and then where can they find Sunday Sky? Oh, all over. Twitter, yeah. Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, it's <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> YouTube, of course. You know, we're, we're constantly putting videos on YouTube. Well, that's perfect. Thank you very much, Rachel, for your time. And um, I look forward to talking to you about um, what's gone wrong with Twitter one day then, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you, Rachel. I enjoyed meeting her as a content management guy. What they're doing with video sounds really interesting. And of course, I will include all her links in the show notes. Right, it's Friday evening here at the Rockstar CMO Penthouse in London. I admit I'm a bit zoomed out this week, and it's time for a cocktail in the virtual Rockstar CMO bar with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. It's always good to be with you uh, here in the bar. And again, yes. funny enough, we always find each other in the bar. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's fall, finally. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what that says about 2020, um, <laughs> that we're into fall. and I don't know whether that's already or yeah. finally or yeah. thank God. <laughs> um, but here we are. We're in fall. And... Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought I would uh, do something for the Equinox. Um, and so my drink that I'm drinking tonight uh, is called, we, well, maybe too cutely, maybe a little cheeky, um, mm-hmm. the Equinox You Out. Um, oh. And it's equal parts uh, summer grapefruit, which of course you get here in Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, and fall pomegranate, what pomegranate typically only really uh, blooms in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's basically equal parts grapefruit and pomegranate, therefore mm-hmm. the equinock, um, with a double shot of tequila. So, yeah. uh, so you know, it's all equal, right? You know, equal double grapefruit, double pomegranate, and double tequila <laughs> that, that sounds fantastic you out. <laughs> that sounds fantastic now yeah, um, it's a wonderful drink and uh, and as regular listeners will know i will now attempt to make the drink um and we'll decide whether this joke is run its course or not <laughs> um <laughs> i have i have um i have uh hendrix gin this week and only because it sounds so good when I open it, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so a bit of Hendrix gin with that would that suffice for this? Sort I, of I suppose it will. Yeah. One right. of these oh, days you may on. get out to the actual liquor store and do something <laughs> else. But did, did you put ice in this? I did put ice in that. Actually. Okay. All right. Ice. 
So, oh, that was a bit of a soft ice cube. Well, I've put ice in it. Let's put some of this nice gin in there. Splendid. And, oh, you said something about equal parts of something. Yes, that would be grapefruit juice and pomegranate juice, yes. All right. So I have tonic. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to go with equal parts. Yeah, equal parts of tonic. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and let me give this a taste. It's probably quite ginny as I went equal parts of the tonic. <laughs> There's nothing wrong mm. with too ginny, that's for sure. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's more it's more like a more like a martini without a amount of gin in it. But yes. Yeah, there you go. That, that's delicious. And I think perfect to warm you up as the evenings wear on in, in September for the Equinox. Very nice. Thank you, Robert. Of course, indeed. And what that what, what was that called again? That would call uh, be called the Equinox You Out. I think that would. I really think this would. And I think equal part gin and tonic is probably <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> well, and, and this evening, uh, when we're drinking these, these fine drinks, where would we be drinking these? You know, I have to tell you, I am longing for travel. Um, mm. And I have to say that, you know, there is no other place that I find as wonderful as New York City uh, in the fall. Right, mm. and so just just yeah. as it's turning, right, just as it's turning. I would also say London too, but 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 London tends to, you know, get a little more uh, gray. Let's call yes. it um, as as fall falls. I was um, wondering which New York you still get sort of that Indian yeah. summer. Those yeah. sort of, you can just yeah. just feel the cool you know, the air starting to chill and yeah. it's still warm in the sun and the leaves yeah. smell it the leaves changing and it's it's just a wonderful place yeah. to be. So i love new york city in the fall so this um nice this like we should be it should feel like, i don't know i don't know if it's in manhattan necessarily but somewhere maybe a little more upstate yeah, that sounds nice. And and I agree with you. You're over the humid because I, I I was based in New York for a while and um, just off Times Square. And once the the humidity in August is obscene, and then you're and then you're getting ready for the cold of the winter. And just that period between is just beautiful. And the, the tourists ever away a little bit, don't they, in September, October? Yeah. And it, it's just beautiful. Absolutely agree with that. Um, and where I mean, we have such a wide choice of, of, of bars in New York. What, what, where, where would we be sitting? Are we, are we in the city or are we somewhere I, upstate? You know, I don't know. I think, you know, I think if we look, I think the easiest place to put us would be somewhere mm. in the park, right? Somewhere mm. up uptown in the Central Park, somewhere mm-hmm. in one of those sort of, uh, you know, fancier hotel bars or something like oh, that, yes. right on the park, overlooking oh, yeah. this. You know, seeing the leaves turn and all of that. Mm, really that sounds cool. very nice. Yeah, that sounds very nice indeed. And um, you know, as I think I've mentioned on this show, we've talked about marketing. Probably, I can't remember. It was a bit blurry in New York before <laughs> over cocktails. Um, what would be the topic of ah? There is one topic I do want to raise with you, Robert. Though before we start about talking about marketing, would we be reflecting on a football game? Do you think? Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for <laughs> bringing that up. Um, That's yes. for our okay, one so listener. For those in your audience who don't know what <laughs> Ian is referring to. 
is uh, my team, my football, American football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys played the other American football team, the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. uh, and were handily spanked uh, mm-hmm. by the Cleveland Browns. Um, and uh, Joe Polizzi, my colleague um, that uh, I do my podcast with, mm-hmm. we had a bet. Um, and the bet was if he won, his team won, that I would have to wear Cleveland Browns gear and do selfies and social media. And mm-hmm. of course, if I won, he would do the same. Um, let's just say I had to do a selfie. Um, so <laughs> thank you for bringing up that very painful topic. I want to just tell you how much I appreciate that. And <laughs> I had I'll to bring pour myself another drink at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I had to bring it up because I, I was all in on the Cowboys because I made some snarky comment about Joe and, and, the, and the Browns and optimism in the last episode. Um, so I, 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 I really should have done some sort of forfeit as well. So, but <laughs> thanks for that, Robert. So anyway, we've um, we've commiserated over the football. I think um, I have no idea about American football, but we I was watching it over here, and I, I was I was with you as as much as I could be. Um, <laughs> well, what, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm 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 going to pretend that I don't believe that you were the jinx. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I felt it. I really felt it. And I, I was sitting there thinking, I should. I, <laughs> this is what happens when I support sports teams <laughs> yeah, exactly. well as a chelsea fan i mean you yeah. know you might want to just reconsider your life yeah choice there, right yeah there. i sh- i should and thanks for remembering because we're we're having quite the yo-yo season ourselves so so we've moved on from sports and i guess we're probably now into our second or third cocktail and you're feeling less of the pain of the football <laughs> what is it that we're chatting about have you seen the uh new trailer for the movie dune no, I haven't. But okay. I know you're a big movie guy, and you're going to tell me all about it. Yes. Well, I'm also a big science fiction fan as well. Yes. So, um, yes, the new trailer uh, is out for the movie Dune, mm-hmm. um, and this, of course, is uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve's um, uh, version of the movie Dune, mm-hmm. uh, which looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly, the, 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 what caught my ear, actually, not necessarily my eye, although it looks beautiful as well, um, was the music underneath it um, mm-hmm. is uh, a very rearranged, remixed, slowed down, uh, if, it, if that's even the right word for it, mm-hmm. uh, rendition of the Pink Floyd song Eclipse, right? Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. 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 Which is, of course, the closing track of Dark Side of the Moon. and Right. And, for those of us like you and I of age, yeah. um, one of our childhood sort of albums that we would play yeah. over and over and over yeah. again. Until um, we were Satanists or something. Played yeah. And so, it, yeah, it got a little <laughs> bit of a trending uh, status online. And in fact, um, sales of it, because I, I, it struck me enough to do a little more research on it, sales mm-hmm. of it, of that song um, increased by 50% after the trailer came out. Wow. And, uh, um, Basically, the eighty percent of those who streamed the track um, on Spotify and others um, were playing it for the first time. So, in other words, it was discovered wow. by a younger audience. Mm-hmm. This, this song, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was interesting. And I ended up going and researching it, and this, and I uncovered something that I thought was just fascinating, which is that this is like a trend. There is a trend in this with marketing mm-hmm. um, movies. 
Um, basically, uh, you know, so David Fincher used a reworked version of uh, Radiohead's Creep yeah. um, in the movie The Social Network. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer for Dark Phoenix, the the Marvel movie um, that was awful, by the way, <laughs> used a version of The Doors, This is the End, mm-hmm. the big blockbuster San Andreas, the big earthquake movie with The Rock um, mm-hmm. that used a, a, a cover of California Dreamin'. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, they're, all of these are sort of reworked, rever- re, you know, remixed uh, versions of classic songs. And it just reminded me that there was something that uh, content marketers have in common here, mm-hmm. which is we often get into this place where, you know, and I've had this happen to me and I actually have had what I think is going on with this music happened to me as well. So, you know, we create a piece, right? You know, maybe it was last year, maybe it was two years ago, whatever. And yeah, it goes a little viral, right? Again, you know, we have what we call a hit, right? Um, yeah. You know, a great blog post, a great white paper, a great, some great idea, video, yeah. whatever it is. It goes a little high and we ride the high of that. And, and all of a sudden the wave sort of dies and we go on about our business, right? And we go, yeah. oh, we lament that we haven't had, you know, a hit since then. Yeah. Um, but the key is, is that we never revisit it or try and rework it or remix uh, it or, you yeah. know, and I just found this to actually work because it reminded me then of a white paper I produced earlier this year um, that got quite a bit of traction. And one mm-hmm. of the reasons it got traction is because I had reworked basically an introduction that I had written uh, almost 10 years ago now. And wow. when this new piece, I referenced the original work and I sort of, you know, in, you know, it, I mean, if I'm quite honest, I copied and pasted a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and basically used it to build my argument for this new white paper that I wrote. Yeah. And then I got a note from somebody who said, you know, a client who said, Hey, it felt really familiar to me, this white paper. Um, and so he had actually found my old white paper because I referenced it, obviously I hyperlinked it and he said, I went back and read the old white paper and it was great too. And so I think it's an opportunity that we often don't pay attention to, which is sort of revisiting our classics, right? Going back and looking at the things that sort of helped, you know, bring us to where we are, went a little viral and it's just a reminder to us to start using those things, um, Mm. in our current work. Do you think, um, I think I've written about this, and maybe we've talked about it, but do you think that we, we as marketers are obsessed with youth in terms of in terms of content? Anything older than, you know, a year or so, we, we never share on social media. And, and, and we just, we're just looking for the next thing rather than the fact that we created this thing that was incredibly relevant to our audience two years ago, but we've completely forgotten about it. You know, and I think, yeah, it's a short-term memory thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, where I think... You know, in varying degree, I think there's two pieces to it. I, I think, yeah. you know, so there's the one that, that, which is the, in varying degree, we are getting better, at least I see it, of sort of making sure that we, you know, re-promote older pieces. But that mm-hmm. really is like, you know, from, you know, this year, right? You know what I mean? So we're, you know, we're, yeah. we, we feed our social media feeds of this white paper we wrote at the beginning of the year, just in case you missed it, you know, and that yeah. sort of thing. So for recent history, I think we've gotten as marketers better about making sure that we're re-promoting the summer reruns as it were. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Know, short- the long-term stuff, you know, that we yeah. wrote 10 years ago, eight years ago, five years ago, 
No, I don't think we do nearly enough of that. Um, And go back and look at it because I think we, we are afraid that somehow those thoughts are stale or somehow they won't resonate or somehow we need to be always chasing the news or, you know, making sure that it's, you know, relevant for today and and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And if we truly are writing and creating evergreen content, it should be evergreen. I mean, it should not, you know, really, you know, go out of style. And I think it's, it's worth us going back in our archives and actually revisiting that, some of that stuff. And this is the second piece, Mm -hmm. you know, if you follow guys like, you know, Andy Crestadina, yeah, you know, he's the first one to tell you that instead of, you know, writing a new blog post about the old thing that went viral, he'd say, go back and update the old blog post. Yeah. You know, for, from a, from a search perspective, because that's, you know, and I'm the worst at that. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not good at that at all. And I'm need to be much better about it by yeah. basically finding that those things that did go viral or have ranked really well, and then going back and updating them and updating them and updating yeah. them and just making sure they become anchor pieces on the internet. Uh, that's- that's fantastic. I was listening to another podcast the other day, and that was talking about, and they talked about the same thing, that if you um, Google for almost anything and you don't put the, the um, date limit on it, a lot of the cornerstone piece of content, a lot of it about marketing, is actually, the first search result is actually years old. So, um, and people will skip past it, obviously, because they see that it's years old. But if somebody had refreshed that, um, and it and it remained relevant, right? You, you've you've got your great place there in the in the in the top of the search rankings. Yeah, it's it's exactly right, mm-hmm. and it's why so many, quite frankly, a lot of businesses that I know, a lot of marketing companies, in in mm-hmm. fact, have taken the dates off of their. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you about that. Yeah, posts, right, because yeah. they don't because there's a perception that if you hit a blog post that's from you know. 2016 mm. or 2017 that somehow the information yeah. isn't as good yeah well, what do you do you don't date do you if i remember rightly on on content advisory donut we do not put the dates no, no I, don't, I don't put the dates because and and the main reason is for that for that very reason because i don't think mm. it's um i don't think it's relevant terribly yeah. to things that we do on yeah. we do put dates on papers research that sort mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. but not on the typical blog posts our typical blog posts by but are you know, they're more like these conversations than they yeah. are anything else there so they're yeah. I'm, in theory they're they're evergreen yeah absolutely and um i do the same with as you know for rockstar cmo i i, I just refer to the issue that it was and you can find the date if you look hard enough but i refer to the issue and i've stopped i've also done that on my personal blog although i do have at the bottom when it was last updated but i'm hoping that somebody then read the post <laughs> before yeah. they got to the date rather than seeing the date up front at the top and then just you know clicking away because they're like oh this is written in 2014 or something that's not relevant to me right so that's i right. so that's, that's that's interesting advice and um but so but how how from a from a content marketing perspective that suggests also doesn't it that that some that the ideas that we had a few years ago are still relevant though doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> so well yes it does, it does. <laughs> it, you know yes check yourself before you wreck yourself you know probably the, yeah. you know um yeah. so there's definitely a a yes a a you know pause mm-hmm. that probably is 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 warranted um yeah. to say you know do you want to uh is this still relevant today yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, I mean, I 
some of the stuff that I wrote back in 2010 and 2011 makes me cringe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm just happy to delete that, you know, yeah. from uh, from the memory banks, as as it were. But yeah. there's stuff that I, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, and I, I say this really with no hubris. I, I go back and read some of the stuff that I read that yeah. I wrote in 2009 and 2010 and 2011. I go, oh, yeah, yeah that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty yeah. still relevant today. You know, there's no reason it shouldn't be. You know, yeah. whether it was whether it was popular then or not, and and chances are back then, it was much less um, yeah. resonant than it was than it is today. That's a good point. You know, I didn't have the audience that I have today. Yeah. Not that I have yeah. one at all today, really. But, <laughs> but, you know, you have at least one. better than one, right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, and um, I think that's true. And I, but it, it does go against, doesn't it? This this faddish marketing industry that we're in that we always think that um uh, there's new ideas i mean if we think about some of the things that maybe we were involved with back in uh, you know when you were, were a cmo yourself you know some of the things we were talking about around um content management and personalization all that kind of stuff is is you, you could you could repeat what was said 20 years ago oh my god i mean you and i you, you and i were having I, I can remember distinctly you and i having a conversation in i don't know 20 2007, Something. 2008, 2009 <laughs> yeah. about yeah. headless CMS and, yeah. you know, and it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, give me yeah. a break already. <laughs> you know, I mean? like, you know yeah. <laughs> what's old is new again, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, as you, I, have a, I have a whole, um, I, I don't throw away any of my books. And so um, I have, I have, you know, books about web content management from 20 odd years ago that, that, you know, we're still implementing those practices today and some about marketing too that are, that are the right. same and i think with that's i think you've talked about that as well some of the some of the books from like the 70s and 80s where where people have just dismissed it but those ideas are so relevant today as well oh sure you yeah know, i mean i constantly go i mean i mean books from 50 years ago are still yeah relevant. i mean I, my yeah. bookshelf is filled with with yeah. books that you know marketing textbooks and marketing books that i continually yeah. go back and 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 read parts of for new yeah. ideas right because yeah. some of those ideas are are, are still good they're really good ideas Absolutely. and they just didn't get you know and many of them didn't get the attention that they deserved at the time um and many are now you know you know it's funny i i'm just i'm just now using a so back in 2008 Mm-hmm. And I missed this at the time. I certainly didn't wasn't aware of this book or this idea. Um, you know, a guy by the name of James Heskett wrote, and I just discovered this, you know, two months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Heskett, guy, um, um, you know, on Harvard Business Review, wrote an article and then subsequently a book on this thing called the service profit chain. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the service profit chain was a whole model, and basically the hypothesis of the model is that happy employees with adequate tools can create customer satisfaction. Yeah. In other words, it's a, there's a whole chain of value, a value chain that you can follow and build mm-hmm. that if you want good customer satisfaction, um, that you you know you, you it can trace it all the way back to how happy your employees are. Wow. And, and it's a wonderful model, and I really, mm. really got into it and love the book and love the, the the post on it, and mm. have now leveraged that into my new keynote. Yeah, uh, like the one that I'm giving at Content Marketing World coming up, and, and yeah. just passed when this airs. Um, no, no, it's it will be um, will be it will be next week from when I play this. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah, yeah, you. I was going to ask you about it. You know, and so, yeah, so it's, it's, there's a great idea that I missed, certainly, and yeah. I'm sure certain others have, have, have as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm hopeful that I can, I can resurrect it a little bit, but hey, my idea was James Heskett's idea. Yeah, no, that's, that's splendid. And it also suggests that actually maybe this marketing thing, actually there's it, not a science, is science the right word? But there's a, there's a methodology that's that through the ages that we can, that, that we should respect rather than just keep reinventing it. Yeah. Or, you know, or, you know, or to the point remixing and reworking it you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. It's, you know it's it's, it's it, it, you know because what i'm doing is quite frankly i'm remixing and reworking heskett's idea into my new yeah. keynote i'm yeah. trying to apply it not to customer satisfaction but to audiences mm-hmm. and top of the journey you know sort of mm-hmm. programs and so there are so many ways to uh leverage great ideas and rework and remix them mm-hmm. and suit our today's purposes um you know, I mean, yeah. You know, and I, I'm, I'm writing a piece right now. I'm literally redlining my piece right now that I'm writing for, for Content Marketing Institute, where, you know, I'm I'm challenging a little bit of the idea. You know, the, there's the famous Peter Drucker quote that says, uh-huh. you know, the, the purpose of a business is to create a customer. Yeah, I'm actually challenging the idea of that marketers have taken the word customer in that sentence too literally. Um, yes. And, and, you know, and I, I'm hoping to build an argument around that. It's still, it's still an amazing idea. Yeah. And I'm hopefully reworking it a bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I could talk to you about this for ages. I mean, and there's so many of those quotes that kind of people pluck from it what they want to, uh, what they want to perceive out of it. But if, if you read the full piece or the full quote, it's actually slightly different to what they think it's about, isn't it? You, you so, want to hear a great one of those? This is, yeah. this, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, it's misattributed. So everybody says that uh, Drucker or Deming said it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what gets measured gets managed. Yeah. Uh, you've heard that a million times from people About trying million, to justify, yeah. you know, getting getting better measurement yeah. tools. Yeah. It's actually neither of them said it. Um, wow. It's actually, um, and I'm forgetting the guy's name off the top of my head, um, but I have it, um, who the full quote uh, is actually, what gets measured gets managed even when it's fruitless and stupid, basically, I'm paraphrasing wow. you, to do so. Yeah, um, wow. And the point that he was making in the full quote was basically companies are starting to measure things that don't matter. Wow. Um, because simply because they're being managed. <laughs> the total contrary to the way that that post is used. I and have you written about that? Because that that's I have written about that. Yeah, oh, I, that was one of my, me, in my measurement workshop. It's what I open up with. Yeah. Oh, let me. Yeah. Well, I'll um, seek that out and include that as a link in in the show notes. But um, just a just a quick. I know we're sort of uh, running uh, running time here but um so next week is a content marketing world do you want to um just talk a little bit about that what's happening with that i know it's a huge that's some damn event event we're going to do (laughs) gonna be online blah blah blah. no uh it's yeah yeah, we're excited i'm excited i have been i have been oh my gosh i've been working my butt off trying to get everything ready for it you know, we we're trying to push the envelope on this virtual event thing as much as we can, and put a lot of production value into it, and put you know we've got great speakers, that's for sure. Um, you know, and I just got to interview W. Kamau Bell, who is fun and amazing, and we have you know Lovia Jai Jones, and she's funny and amazing, um, and we've got you know great thought leaders in marketing. Um, you know, notwithstanding the fact that I'll be there. 
Um, and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be a good three days. It's going to be a really good three days, solid content. And the way we've structured it is that you can binge watch it or you don't have to binge watch it, you know, because they'll have six months to be able to consume all the sessions that won't be right. played in real time, yeah. um, you know, because we're going basically with three days of, of keynotes yeah. um, in live real time. And then we have um, all of the other 200 plus speakers, wow. you know, basically, you know, putting in their content um, wow. In, uh, in, a, in sort of a, you know, packages, right, where you can go in and watch them at your leisure. Wow, that's incredible. And um, so that three days starts on Tuesday, correct? Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is exactly yeah. right, all on Eastern time. And so mm-hmm. I believe it starts at, uh, I want to say, 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Eastern mm-hmm. time. It goes mm-hmm. each day from 10 till 3 is, nice. I believe, the... Um, I believe the schedule, but you can find out all of that at uh, contentmarketingworld.com. Uh, okay. I'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. And the nice thing, I guess, about um, promoting it this late is that people can still show up, right? Because we're all virtual now. Yeah, exactly. You can buy your ticket <laughs> up to the last moment. Yeah, you can yeah, buy yeah, your ticket to the last bit. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's all there for you. Don't need to find your room at the Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland <laughs> no, Hilton or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right well that's fantastic thank you very much robert and just as a reminder for the listeners if they spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you oh well you're very kind to ask <laughs> it's it's uh, um of course i can be found on social media mm-hmm. um robert underscore rose on twitter um and of course the uh you know i don't know how linkedin does their thing but it's basically yeah. just search for me you'll find me yeah, um and then contentadvisory.net is our website where all of that wonderful reworked content goes from time to time great and then i hope people will join you in uh, content marketing world next week and i'll include a link to that as well in the show notes thank you very much robert and uh, will i see you next week in the bar of course you will splendid i look forward to it cheers mate thank you robert so that's a wrap on episode 31 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Rachel for the conversation, to Robert for the inspiring cocktail, and our wonderful Rockstar CMO contributing community for an excellent top 10. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and driving along with us. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like my guests, please give them a mention, click their links, follow them and take a look at their work. As I say every week, I appreciate their time. So please show them some love and tell them I sing. So does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I would love to know what you think. Drop us some feedback, a review, subscribe, share or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I again use this podcast as an excuse to grab a conversation with someone I find interesting, and it's an old boss, Grant Johnson, who is currently the CMO of Emburst, and by his own admission, a veteran CMO and a really knowledgeable guy. And you heard the man, I will again find Robert Rose in the bar. Until then, I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of rockstarcmo.com, and I hope you'll join us again next week here at Rockstar CMO FM.
You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.